uh, to turn in your Bibles to Romans 6. It's not a, a, at least for me, not a common uh, Easter Sunday text, but I think a a very appropriate one um, for the resurrection and thinking through new life. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can click on events and find Reservoir Church and all of the scripture and notes will be there for you as well this morning. So the big idea from the text and from the story of redemption is that Christ's resurrection is for you. Sometimes we can come to church and we wonder what all the pomp and circumstance is. What is all the celebration about? What are we singing about? Well, today I want to remind you and tell you, maybe for the first time for some of us, that Christ's resurrection is actually for you. And hear the word of the Lord from Romans 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and we'll pray and we'll get into it this morning. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he says here in chapter 6, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him for death. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth of your life, death and resurrection for us. Lord, as we dive into this proclamation from Paul to the church, help us to see the ways in which we are united to you, Jesus, that your life becomes ours and our life becomes yours and that we remain alive with you. That changes everything, that redefines who we are, gives us identity and passion to live for your glory. Um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd work in our hearts to awaken us to the good news of Easter morning, that we would live forever from that truth, redefined by it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Christ's resurrection is for you. You need to know that today, of course, is a vital day for the church and for everyone who claims that they believe in Jesus. This is Easter, the anchor of the church calendar. It is a day of newness, a day of life, of vibrancy, of freedom for those who grab hold of it. And it all springs forth from a tomb that was made empty by the Savior who died on the cross for us. Like this is what we proclaim, what we cling to. You know the account well of that Easter morning when the Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they could embalm him. They could 
prepare his body for it for ever burial. But very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb and they worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? And then they looked up. And they saw that it had been rolled back and it was a huge stone and they walked right in and they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in all white and they were completely taken aback and astonished. And he said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the one they nailed to the cross. He has been raised up. He's here no longer. And you can see for yourselves that the place is empty now on your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you'll see him there exactly as he said. And they got out as fast as they could beside themselves. Their heads were swimming, stunned. They said nothing to anyone. You can imagine what it'd be like if you expected to go to prepare a dead body to just be embalmed for its burial forever. And then that body, the person who you loved and who you followed was not there. You would be astonished. And what's more, an angelic figure sits there and tells you you're you're looking in the wrong place because he's not here. It's an amazing uh, event. It was foretold but it wasn't understood by his disciples. And this is where Jesus' ministry was headed. This is the inauguration of the kingdom of earth as it is in heaven. This work, this resurrection, it proves to us that Jesus was special. And from the dramatic events of the days before to the new dawn where death was defeated, it proves his deity that when he said that he was the I am, he really is God. And it proves that he has power over all things, even death and the tomb. But what does the resurrection have to do with us? In 2020, maybe it meant something to people that lived in that moment in the first century as geopolitical realities were shifted because the Messiah had truly come, the Savior had come. But does it still carry that same weight for us? How does this awakening of new life from Jesus reach you where you are today or tomorrow or in your whole life? And actually, it it has a great deal to do with us, doesn't it? Because Jesus has been resurrected and he wants to see you. It's life or death for us. It is our Genesis story, our beginning. And because it happened, we can be who we were meant to be forever. And seeing how the early church then applied the resurrection, I think it helps us then do the same and approach the resurrection in the same way. And the Apostle Paul, this guy who was a murderer turned an evangelist for Jesus, He has his own encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and it shapes how he taught others to have that same experience. And so the book of Romans is just his introduction to the church there. He desired to stop over in Rome and be refreshed and equipped as he desired to go on further, preaching into the frontier the good news of forgiveness of sin in Jesus. And so he uses this letter as an introduction of himself and just a declaration of the basics of Christian theology or the basis of our thoughts of God and our relationship to him because of what Jesus has done. 
He proclaimed in this letter that salvation was by grace through faith alone. And so that truth then poses the question that Paul is determined to answer in Romans 6. Like he expects this question from his preaching. If salvation is all the work of God that we just receive as a gift, wouldn't God get more glory if we sin more? It's a a logical question to the response of reception of grace and to make the saving more extravagant, to give me a better testimony. Shouldn't I have had some years of debauchery along the way? And if God, the, the loving father of all, takes on the worst sinners who come to believe in Jesus, should we not, in fact, try to be worse sinners? Right? Like, let's, let's push the limits of this grace thing. And it's, I think it's a reasonable question. And honestly, it's a question that should be asked more if we are preaching the grace of Christ correctly. Like the answer we should hear is, but won't people go on sinning more? Won't we go on living for ourselves in other ways? But in telling the church that they need not go on sinning once they are in Christ... Paul here reveals how the death and resurrection of Jesus actually become ours and change everything for us. Give us different passion, different desires that we don't even ask that question if I should go on sinning anymore because we've been so transformed by the gifts of the resurrection. And because you believe in Jesus and he died and rose, Paul starts by giving us this truth that you are united to him. So we are united with Christ in his resurrection. And we don't go on sinning. How can those who died to sin still live in it? Is what Paul questions back. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the things we do in response to faith, to proclaim our faith, actually reflect the reality that we have entered into the death and resurrection of Christ. That he's brought us into these things. When we come to faith in Jesus, we are often uh, right quickly baptized, dunked underwater as a proclamation of our faith in Jesus. And this is then for us an outward symbol of what has happened inside of us, that we've placed our faith. So I want you to see now that I've gone down into the death and come back into life in Christ. And it's, if you think of shadows, if I had a light right you know, on this and I was doing a, an Easter bunny, um, I don't even, how would you do an Easter bunny? Anybody good with hand signals, but the, the shadow would be on the wall. You would see that shadow, but the shadow is not what's real. My hand is what is real. And for us, then, the, the work of baptism is much the same way. It is a symbol of us going into the grave, being buried with Christ, and then coming to life. So the real thing is us being united with Christ in his death and resurrection, and the symbol is our baptism. And so going under the water symbolizes this dying to sin with Jesus. For us, it's not just some good thoughts about God. It's actually being made one with Jesus. His life is ours. Our lives are now his. 
I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I don't know Matt, how many of you are fans of science fiction writing or movies, but has anybody seen the movie Gattaca? I don't even know it's rating. It might be rated that Christians don't watch it. But it is a great science fiction movie. I think Ethan Hawke plays the main character, Vincent, in it. And it's a story about assuming an identity because it's a futuristic, dystopian kind of movie, which, you know, is my, one of my favorite genres. But there is a, a kind of a, a posture, a strategy of the culture that if you are genetically inferior, you don't get any privilege in the society. And so the main character desires above all things to be allowed to go into space, to fly in a rocket, but only genetically superior people are allowed into the program that prepares them to go to space. So Vincent finds Jerome, a guy who has genetic superiority, uh, but was hurt. He was uh, in an accident that kept him from walking. And what happens is Vincent is given the identity of Jerome so that he can fulfill his lifelong dream. He becomes someone else so that he can do what he feels like he was meant to do. And the story of Jesus, friends, is far better than even the best sci-fi flick. Because Jesus intentionally takes on our identity to the cross and he walks out of the tomb and we walk with him, spiritually identified as him. And this handles for us all of the sin, the the rocks of the heavy burden of uh, selfishness and following after uh, the world, the disregard of God and his way, following after the things that he says are death and all of the corruption of our hearts and in the world since the fall of the garden. His obedient life, his sacrificial death. And the truth is that Jesus repairs the breach between God and us by his cross. He, in that moment, makes things right. And he takes our sin with him onto the cross and into the tomb. Paul says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So if you're... In Christ, you have died to sin. You have experienced the death of Jesus. You own that as your own. The death he died to sin once for all. This means then for us, we are free from the tyranny of sin. It no longer rules over our lives or our hearts. We have an out. We have a better way of life in Christ. And it also means that God's see, God sees us as he sees Jesus. We're united with Christ in faith. His account is now ours. And the Father views us as his children, no longer destined for wrath, but redeemed in the first fruits of his kingdom of renewal. It's not like it's a, it's a trick that unfolded, but this was the plan all along that love would be fulfilled in this way. The giving over of identity and newness in Christ. 
Because before we were in Adam in sin and inherited rejection of God, and now we are made new and we are in Christ. We are given imparted righteousness. We are made holy in him. So being identified in his death, burial, and resurrection actually then, Paul says, makes us new. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's the purpose of the resurrection. That our identity changes, that we uh, are supernaturalized, essentially. Now, some of you are young enough to remember Pokemon, and some of you are experienced in Pokemon now, but essentially it's like Pokemon that evolve. Once they change and take on a new identity, most of the time they stay that way, right? When that change happens, when Brion becomes Primarina, she stays that way forever. It happens to be one of the Schrader kids' favorite Pokemon. But, and that's why I'm talking about Pokemon. That's me! Yes, it is. <laughs> so we were once regarded according to the old flesh, but we're no longer regarded that way in Christ. We're no longer defined by our sin or our own wretched identity. Uh, We are free to live something different, live better. We are in Christ. It's like Paul will say to the Corinthian church, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new of Christ and his righteousness is yours. This is who you live as. One writer says that the victory over death is the foundation for the liberation of the baptized Christian. Christ was raised from the dead, not merely to publicize his good news or to confirm his messianic character, but to introduce human beings into freedom, a new mode of life with a new principle of vital activity in the spirit. This is what we're meant for when we realize that the resurrection is for us. This is a a life of anticipating the new because it doesn't decline over time. We are just kept going always toward this newness of life in Jesus. And the truth is that he is not done with us yet until that day in the future when he calls us to himself. And for the final time, he will declare it is done. Until then, we live with resurrection life. Through Christ's death, the ruling power of sin was broken. All of the powers of the old age were cast out. And in the resurrection of Christ, the new age has begun. This is why it's such a big deal. In sharing in the death and resurrection of Christ, believers are rescued from the dominion of sin and are transferred to a new realm of his glorious risen life. We are given new passions for his glory and for his purpose. As Paul says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You will, friends, in Christ, certainly be resurrected at death. But now you live with him a resurrected life. This is not only are we united with Christ, but we are also alive with Christ. This is the power of the resurrection, not just in history or for Jesus, but actually for you. You are made alive with Christ forever. Newness is your jam from here on out. 
Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, Paul says. His life is ours, and that means he is now our strength to live for the new passions that he gives us and calls us to. To the Galatian church, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are words that we can declare. This is true of us. And the the reality is the gospel message is not only for proclaiming and believing, it is for living. The, The resurrection is our starting point on the timeline of our lives. And each day is new. There is to be expectancy constantly in Christ. That's what Easter is for us. The relocation to a different land, a different life, all headed to eternity with the risen king. Think of a a time where you experienced newness. Maybe it was the the sense that you've just been married and you you woke up after sharing the vows and you were on to the newness of life. There's expectancy, anticipation, or maybe you got a new job and the first day you show up to the job, there's there's this nervous energy, but there's also this excitement to it. Or you finally move to a new place and you get to reside in beautiful Southern California. And the first time you see palm trees on Christmas morning, you have such anticipation and excitement for life. Well, that anticipation of those new things are all just a a mere whisper of what our whole lives are to look like because all of those things are temporary, but new life in Christ is to be that perpetual sense of excitement. Jesus' resurrection life infuses the lives of believers both now and in the age to come. Like we are to look and be different, enthused with the truth and resurrection life of Jesus. And I think we can give, uh, when we read Romans 6, we can give a rousing amen to Paul's by no means. Like you don't go, don't go on sinning. It's, it's bad. But we can go quiet when it comes to owning the resurrection life. One pastor says, perhaps you have done the no, refusing to yield to the service of sin. And that is good, but it's not enough because there must be the yes. There must be the take and use my entire life, Lord. The surrender of the life we've been given in Christ back over to him. I've got a good friend that helps in preparation of sermon and pastoring. He's a pastor in a small town in Iowa. And this week he said, so often I think about Jesus setting all things right in eternity and that our longing for perfection will occur in the new heavens and new earth. But too often I don't zero in on the present, the present effects of the resurrection. But Paul in in scripture tells us there are present effects of the resurrection. You brought in to newness of life. You are made alive. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul does not say here you're dead to sin and will be alive to God in Christ Jesus. No, it's now because of the resurrection you are alive to God with Christ Jesus. The resurrection 
is in fact the great undoing of evil that has unfolded throughout all of history. And since that moment, since that empty tomb, things are being remade, renewed, and they're headed to their design purpose. The present effects of that truth are upturned heads for us. We raise our eyes and see our King, to see Jesus, to follow Him and to enter into His work of remaking and renewal, the undoing of what is wrong. And it it begins with our lives. Eugene Peterson in his book Resurrection Life says that resurrection does not have to do exclusively with what happens after we are buried or cremated. It does have to do with that. But first of all, it has to do with the way we live right now. As Karl Barth quoting Nietzsche pithily reminds us only where graves are is their resurrection. We practice our death by giving up our will to live on our own terms. And only in that relinquishment or renunciation are we able to practice resurrection. So we come and we give over our lives and embrace this new life that Christ has given us. And we consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Your frame of mind is meant to be reshaped by the resurrection And this life is our walk with Jesus, our pursuit of him. A buddy of mine this week shared uh, that he had seen a shirt that somebody had worn into church. And I I give you permission to wear shirts that say things like this. But it it says, my walking with Jesus is my cardio, right? And for some of us, that might be the only cardio we have. And that's okay. You're still in Christ, but that's essentially our life, like walking with Jesus. And Matthew Henry, an old scholar, says, walk by new rules towards new ends from new principles. Make a new choice of the way. Choose new paths to walk in, new leaders to walk after, new companions to walk with. Old things should pass away and all things become new. This is the truth of the resurrection, and it's also the opportunity of the resurrection because now you can live this new life. You're no longer bound to the old ways. You can set those aside and live the way of Christ as he has determined for you to. This is sanctification, becoming like Jesus, and it is just like our justification in him. We don't do it in our strength. A little later on, Paul will say in Romans 8, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Not only did you walk out of the grave with Jesus, but you walked out with the spirit of Christ in you for this life. You are to live at this very moment. It's the life we need, and it comes to us via the empty tomb in Jerusalem, by the love of the Father, through the obedience of the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Christ's resurrection is for you. The invitation from this truth this morning is simply to come, be united with Christ died to sin and your rejection of God by turning from those things and instead turning to him, this savior that welcomes you and loves you. And then friends that are Christians, consider 
This is who you are. This proclamation is your like birth certificate, your identity. You are dead to sin by being united with Christ in a death like his. And you are raised to newness of life through his resurrection. Friends, may we become increasingly aware of this union and then live justified in Christ to bring his kingdom here. That's what he's invited us into. So Easter isn't about spring or candy or pastels. And all those things are good and they're, they're fine to share in. But Easter is new life. It is us alive with Christ. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Friends, from that truth, let's live. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for your death and we thank you for your life of obedience all things that you have given to us and made our own through your work jesus we had asked that from this easter that we would live in that union with you all the more clearly that our spirits would continue to be transformed and renewed by the grace of your work for us and the gift of this newness of life. For some of us, Lord, this may be the first time that we've actually thought to ourselves, why don't I give this newness of life a try? Why don't I finally believe in Jesus? Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd work that in some of our hearts. And for those of us who have just been living in the old ways, going through the motions, that you would enthuse us with the truth of resurrection life. That we would not only be changed by it and redefined by it, but that we would live it for your glory. Lord, give us that deep community to live this life with. That we would remind each other of our call and our purpose for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.